Passover. We are coming from the book of Luke. We are starting in chapter 15. And we're going to jump around a little bit in this passage of scripture. So follow along with us. But we're starting at verse 13. And it says, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Jump down to verse 17 with us. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's house have my father have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say unto him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Amen. Amen. We'll stop there uh, as we do have more scriptures, but we'll stop there for our for our foundation and as we lay the groundwork. So as you know, uh, even in this Father's Day, we are in our series called Blind Spots, Beam in Your Eye. And today, our topic that we're going to be coming from in regards to blind spots is that what it looks like or what it means in turning a blind eye. And we're coming at this from the lens of turning a blind eye in regards to family. And family could be anything that you consider family. Family, your blood relatives, your loved ones inside your home. Even here as a ministry, it can be you know, our, our ministry family, the, the people that we labor with, that we call family, that we've been called into the family of God because we've all been engrafted in. We've all been adopted by the Father to experience salvation. And so we're, we're going to talk about turning a blind eye in the sense of what it, and what it means, that dynamic, that relationship in regards to family. And so here, this is the story of the prodigal son. And for many of us, we've probably heard that term, the prodigal son. We know that story. This is Christ and these three parables that he began to share with his disciples in the midst of the the Pharisees trying to figure out why it was that he was building relationships with uh, tax collectors, with people that they looked at as sinners, that he was going out and forming and building these relationships, saying that he, was, he had come. And these three parables that he was sharing, he talked about one, which was the lost sheep, one, which was the parable of the lost coin, and this one that we're touching on today, which was the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. And so as we examine this story, we're going to be looking at it when, if, because we're talking about family from the lens or the perspectives of each individual that was in this story. We had the younger son, we had the father, and then we had the older son. And so when we develop, what we have to hit on these subjects, we have to talk about even this story, if we're going to talk about blind spots, if we're going to talk about how we get out of that place where we have blind spots or we get out of that place from, you know, turning a blind eye, we have to make sure that when we're looking at a situation, when we're looking at family, when we look at life as it arises and it challenges us, that we have to make sure that we're looking at it from all perspectives. And so the perspective of the son to the father, this perspective of the father to the son, uh, the perspective of the father to his sons, and then the perspective of sibling to sibling. And so I wanna touch on the definition of what it means real quick and what it talks about, about turning a blind eye. And this will lay the foundation of how we begin to look at this scripture. Turning a blind eye, it is ignoring undesirable information. 
it also means pretending. And in the midst of that, pretending not to notice. Amen. Turning a blind eye, ignoring undesirable information. And so we have, we're here at this story, the story of the prodigal son. Um, you know, just to give a little bit of background, i lay a little bit of groundwork. You know, this is the younger son. One day he went to his father and he said, Father, give me the portion of everything that you have. Give me all the things that you say that you owe me, that when these things that you say that when you pass, these are the things that we are going to inherit. Um, I want those things and I don't want to wait for them. I want you to give them to me right now. I want to have these things right now. Divide for me up what it is that you say you owe me and give it to me right now. And then the father, what does he say? He looks at his son and he gives him this portion. He gives him everything that he has right now, one third of it, which is the proportion. If you know Jewish history, what happens is that the eldest son takes on two thirds, uh, two thirds of whatever is left behind for him from the father. And then the youngest, one third is divided among them. And so in this situation, it was two sons. So one son, the eldest, gets two thirds. And then this son, the youngest, who is asking for his inheritance of what the father has right now, he's getting his one third. Everything the father owns right now. And then the younger son, what does he do? He takes it all and he runs out. He goes out into the world and runs into the world. He runs into not being able to sustain that which he has, and he burns through it all. And this is where we pick up in this passage of scripture at verse 13. And it says, not many days after the younger son gathered together, gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance on riotous living. And as we pick up in the story here, it says, not many days. And I don't know about you, but how many of us, whether when we were growing up, and sometimes even the children that are watching here on the call today, uh, or even sometimes here in life, I just can't wait to get out of here. I just can't wait to get out of this situation. I just can't wait for the chance where I can go off on my own. I can't wait for the chance where I could own my own. I can't wait for the chance where I could have my own. I can't wait for the chance and the opportunity where I don't have to answer to nobody. Not many days after, here was his young man's opportunity. But I know that even I find myself in here where I want to say, uh, you know, I just want to be able to go out and do my own thing. Not many days. When have we even have we been in that place where we're just like, you know, I just cannot wait to get out on my own and do my thing. I can't wait till I turn 18. Can't wait till I graduate. Can't wait till school is done. I can't wait for all of these things so then I can go out and do my own thing, uh, do what it is that I wanna do without having an answer to any authority. And you know, we begin to really see here, even for many of us, the immaturity of this young man, the immaturity to really see and not or not be able to see that when you're talking about this younger son and being able to take all of these things from his father, you see all of the glitz and glam or you see all of the sustenance of the father, but do you know what it took for him to attain all of that? A lot of times we are out in the world and we see people who have certain things, but we're not aware of the sacrifice or we're not aware of the work or the labor that it took in order to attain those things that we're looking at that we wish that we say that we had or that we say that I can't wait till I have my own. We're excited for the having of our own, but we don't get excited for the part that when it tells what that journey looks like to get to having your own. And so we see the immaturity of this son here. We see his perspective. There's some blind spots here because he's not even realizing what it really took for this father 
to get to this portion that he is even able to give him. And of course, it's easy for many of us to say like, uh, you know, for us to, it was easy for this young man to go out because again, this guy was handed everything. Uh, he was given things to go out there and to thrive or to go out there and to, you know, whether it's multiplier, to go out there and he had a foundation to which to go on. And sometimes when we are just given certain things, we fail to realize the importance or we fail to realize the value of we have. And so it becomes challenging. It becomes hard to maintain what it is that we have, even as we see here in the scripture, because we don't understand the value or the importance of the thing that was placed in our hand. And when we talk about this portion that he had been given, this portion, this, the entire thing, this entire one third, you know, a lot of times, again, we can be short-sighted because again, we're only looking at this thing from our point of view. Oh, I know, okay, I know that this thing belongs to me. I know that this is mine. So, you know, I'm just looking at that thing in general. I'm just so focused on what it is that is mine and thinking about all that I can do with it. Thinking about all that I can take this and then all of the wonders and the glory that I can have with it on my own. And so he's short-sighted. He becomes, uh, you know, he, he cannot see, again, what it is to took, what it is, you know, uh, to, uh, to get to this place where you can have this one-third of a portion if you were to work for it on your own. We have to look at, if we're talking about blind spots, you see the young man blinded by the perspective of the father. And how is he blinded by the perspective of the father? I mean, if you think about this, this is something that is supposed to happen once the father passes. So from the father's point of view, we could look at it and say, wow, my son wants what's in my hand rather than wanting me or rather than wanting the family. My son would rather have these things and is saying he would rather have me not here because that is the point where he, he would gain this inheritance. He's so looking forward to the inheritance. He would rather have this rather than me, rather than family. And so we turn a blind eye. He's turned a blind eye. Information, again, that is not desirable to me, right? That's the definition. But if we understand this, what the father is doing or why even, you know, uh, when we look at this, sometimes this information that we're missing it's the very thing that can stop us from making a bad choice. Because if the son had taken an opportunity to look at this thing from the father's perspective, or even ask his father questions about, you know, this inheritance, or then to have dialogue around this thing, it could have maybe saved him the trouble. It could have maybe saved him uh, from going out there and then seeing what happens in the latter part of the scripture that as he took his journey into a far country, he wasted his substance with riotous living. If he had begun to look at this from the perspective of the father, if he had begun to understand the labor and the work that it took to get here, maybe it would have been a little bit more valuable to him. Maybe things would be a little bit more valuable to us when we, as people who are trying to be shepherded and guided, see that what the bigger picture of what it is that we are seeing, instead of trying to turn a blind eye, thinking that this information isn't important to us when this information truly is vital in order for us to get to our next stage. He had no idea what it took to gain all that this father had. All he knew was the fruits of the labor. All he knew was the provision and the servants. Man, this, this young man, he was born. It said that they had servants. It said that they catered, you know, uh, uh, to this family. So they were good. They were very well off. They had a little something, something. And so he was born, I wouldn't say with a silver spoon in his mouth, but I would say that he was born 
comfortable. He didn't have to. The father had set his family up to where they didn't have to labor for certain things, that we didn't have to do certain things. He worked hard so they can experience the fruit. But what they failed to understand in that process is that they, he, what he failed to understand in that process is the appreciation for this labor. Blind spots, blind spots. He thought, I can take this and I can care for myself better than what I've already been cared for. Even though he had been set up, even though he had all these things, he still in his mind thinks that I can take these things and I can take better care of myself. I don't have to come subject to these rules. I could take my stuff and go do my own thing. I know how to love me. I know how to take care of myself. I know how to save myself. I know what to do. I've seen enough when really we haven't. But we think we've seen so much, but we still have yet not seen enough because we are not asking the right questions. We are still turning a blind eye to all of the information that we should be that we should have. It says he journeyed into a far country. And even in this, it's the same thing. Now that, you know, I feel like I can go out here and do it on my own. I feel like I can separate. And what we do, we begin to leave everything that we know behind. All of those, the foundations, the principles, the teachings that his, that, that his father had given him. Sometimes we're just like, you know, I'm just so tired of where I am. I just want to start fresh. I just want to do my own thing. And we disconnect from everything that we know, taking everything that we can and forgetting that there are some important things because we didn't feel that that information is important, that that information is vital for us to be able to go on this journey and be able to be successful. We try to disconnect. I don't want nothing to do with that. You know, I, I remember saying that. I remember when, you know, I went to college, you know, we didn't uh, live the, the most promising life. We came from humble beginnings, uh, but not understanding that even in those humble beginnings, how my mother by herself worked so hard being short-sighted in that, in that place. And it was really because at one point I had to step up and become the provider for our family. And so, you know, that level of responsibility, pride swept in. And I got to a point where I was like, well, I just cannot wait to when I don't have to have this responsibility. I just can't wait till I could go out to school and just forget about all this. I can't wait till I could just leave and go do my own thing. And I don't have to be connected to all this drama. That's what I used to say. Man, my family's so, it's just full of drama. I just can't wait till I don't have to be connected to the drama no more. It's so much drama. I just cannot wait till I can have a little sense of peace. And so I thought that once I go to school, I'm just going to have it all. I'm just going to be good. And I'm just going to disconnect. And I did. I went to school and it was very few far in between that I spoke to my family or stayed connected or, you know, asked or, or you know, just made sure I, that I checked in and checked on them. A terrible mindset to have at the time. But what I didn't do is that whenever my mother did call and she offered, do you need a little son? Even though I didn't want to be connected, even though I didn't want the drama, what I did say is I said yes to that little money that she would put in into the bank account. I would say yes to that. Yes to that. I was connected to what was in her hand, but not connected or remembering the sacrifices that she made. Even though at one point I had to make the same sacrifice, the appreciation I should have had for understanding the work that she put in prior to that. I had a blind spot. I was blinded. We try to get on our own, try to go out there and we build our own name. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with trying to go out there, trying to advance, trying to uh, uh, set up a, a, um, a 
a, a generational understanding of what it is that you see in the future for yourself. And there's nothing wrong with going out there and wanting to conquer the world and go out there and be successful. But what this young man failed to see is that he was going at it with the wrong mindset. He was going at it for the wrong reasons. He was going at it in the wrong way. And I see myself in the scripture because I remember that. I want to be disconnected to all the drama, but I forget about all the love that also came from that place of drama. I want to be disconnected from all these things. I don't want to, I don't want that to be my foundation. I don't want to have to go through the same things, but forgetting, you know, uh, certain things and principles and ideals or not looking at certain things in the right way so that I can use that as my foundation and my fuel to move forward. I want to start off empty. I want to build my own stuff, but not understanding I'm too immature to understand principles or I don't even know what it takes to move in life so that I can be successful in certain areas when certain challenges come unto me and I have to face them. There's nothing wrong with that, but we try to do it without having that base. We try to disconnect without having that base. And for many of us as believers, that base is the word. We try to go out there and we try to do certain things and we don't have that base, the foundation of the word. We fail to see how the word is, can truly help me in regard to what it is that I wanna do, the principles that the word gives me so that I can be successful in life. It's all here in the word. The word will show us certain passages of scripture when we look at it as a holistic book, instead of trying to nitpick the things that we want, instead of trying to nitpick the things that we feel is going to help us, we have to take in this whole body of work, looking at the bigger picture of this entire thing we call the Bible and understand that all of this is God. This is how God operates and this is all of, it, of how he functions. If not, we'll experience what it is to just waste the substance or waste what God has put in our hands and do it in riotous living. Do it in a way where we can't appreciate it. Do it in a way where it'll dwindle away. Do it in a way where it'll just, it'll uh, uh, dissipate from our hands. You know, I look at myself and I can honestly say that there is nothing, all the success I had in the world. When I, when I did move off from college and when I did have the opportunity to just go out there, start my own work. I was a freshman in school. I had started my own business. You know, I was moving, I was shaking. I was doing school and doing things with, you know, in my career, I was already making a lot of money even in high school. I mean, even in college. And so I was just like, okay, well, you know, I'm making all this money in school and I'm doing it in a way that I want to. What do I need school for? So I'm gonna leave school. I'm gonna just go ground out over here because I was chasing the money. I was just like, I'm gonna finally be successful. I'm gonna be able to have without. I'm just gonna continue to thrive and succeed and, 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 and thrive. But because I didn't know the principle of money management, because I didn't know the principles of using discernment with making sure that you're, you're careful with connecting with certain people. How do you tell who's really with you and who's not? How do you really tell that they're just there because of what you have and not what's, what's in your heart or who you are? That they believe in you, they just believe that you can bring them a little something, that they're connected with you because they see that you're going somewhere. So they're trying to coattail and hang along around with you. I didn't understand those life principles. I was too blinded. I had, I was turning aside eye. See, I turned my I, I turned my side eye to my family, but then I I turned a blind eye to my family, but then I wasn't turning a blind eye to these other people in the world because I thought they were for me. Because we're all making money, we're all good. But then what happens when the uh, what happens when the substance is no longer there? And that leads us to verse 17 as we drop down. But in verse 14, 
understand what understand what happens 14 to 15 let's understand what happens he goes out there he has riotous living right he goes to spend it all and then what happens that it's all gone there's nothing there there's nothing left to sustain him there's nothing left that he has that one third portion that his father had given him all gone no account for it there's nothing for it. everything even when i look at the world and where i am now there's nothing that i had that i was in the world that i was able to bring now there's nothing here there's nothing that was out there that i gained that I could bring here, that I could say, man, I had this. Remember, I had this back since 2006. <laughs> it's not here. Nothing back in 06 when I was doing my own thing and feeling like I can attain my own way. I look at 20, what year are we in? 2022, and it ain't here. Can't account for it. The people can't account for it. And so there was nothing there. There was a famine in the land. It talked about it talked about how he tried to join himself, how he pretty much like went into like what you can essentially say slavery slavery or you can essentially say he was given free labor. Now he has to go out there and do something for hard work. But, you know, there, he had an opportunity before where he didn't have to work, but now he has to. And even in that work that he was doing. It, what he thought would happen wasn't coming to pass. So when we pick it up in verse 17, it says and when he came to himself. Man, when he came to himself, and a lot of times it's not until loss that we gain a better perspective or a fresh perspective, or where now we're able to see what it is that I have. You know, that saying that they say you never miss something until it's gone, right? Now it's all gone for this young man. And a lot of times, when have we gotten to that place where it had to be all gone? God had to strip us or God had to separate us or God caused somebody to separate from us or things to separate from us in order for us to understand what it was that we had lost in, utter, uh, in order for us to understand that perspective now. Oh, now I see what they were trying to say to me. When I was studying this, you know what God said? He said the anti-serum for turning a blind eye is gratitude. A lot of times we turn a blind eye, we turn a blind eye to things, we, things that information that we don't feel is relevant to us. But gratitude, having a mindset of gratitude will always help us to see value in certain things from people, from the president, all the way down to the janitor, from whoever tells you something, there's something of value that they share with you. From having a dollar to having a hundred, hundred to having a thousand, you understand the value of this thing, gratitude, it doesn't matter how much I have, I will always be grateful. It doesn't matter how little I have. Paul say, I learned how to be a base and how to be a bound. How do you think Paul did that? There was a place of gratitude, a love, a, a gratitude for where he was, an appreciation that even in this place, God could still show me something. Even in this place, the people that are around me, they're still valuable. That if I had had that perspective when I, young, when I was younger, even in that drama-filled home that I had, that there was still love, there was still something, there was still shelter, there was still food on the table, there was still provision. Failing to see those things, failing to have a sense of gratitude, failing to come from the lens of gratitude. You know, my this young man, oh, now realizing I came to myself. Oh man, my father really did work hard. Oh man, this is what hard work really feels like. Oh man, I didn't see hard work in this way before. Wow, my I wanted to go out and, and take you know, the, my father's portion and run off with it. What my father was trying to show me why he didn't do it until he felt that it was the right time. He, was, he wasn't trying to hold me back. He was trying to keep me. 
And how many times have we said that? God, I feel like you holding me back. Man, it feels like God's trying to hold me back. It feels like you trying to hold me back. No, I'm not trying to hold you back. I'm just trying to save you because you don't have what it takes and to maintain this thing that if I were to give it to you in this way, you would lose it. You wouldn't appreciate it. But we don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that we're not built to take on this thing just yet because we feel on um, you sliding me. We feel like, oh, you don't believe in me. We feel like, no, it's not that we don't believe in you. It's not that I don't believe in you. I'm just showing you right now, you have failed to examine yourself and see that there are things that if you allow yourself to go into this situation with that kind of mindset, it will not give you the success that you want. It will not yield what it is that you want it to yield. You won't go the places that you want to go because you failed to understand that the things that are in you that would keep you from that. I'm not holding you back. I'm trying to save you. And a lot of times God is trying to save us. We get mad that there are certain things God has not done without failing to realize, okay, God, if you were to really give me this thing, move for me in this way that I've just been waiting you for, what would truly happen with the mindset that you have now? Just examine your life now. Because a lot of times we think that, well, if I had this, I won't be like this. And it's not true. Who you are is who you are. In this area will transfer over to how you begin to operate and think in this area. It may start off good because, right, when, when something new starts, when we get something, we're all excited. You know, I'm going to give it my all. I'm just going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to be so disciplined. I'm going to have that. You know, I'm going to have all this. We, we give it. We're, we're so gung-ho. And then all of a sudden, what happens? We burn ourselves out. Reality set in. Life hits us. And then all of a sudden, it's just like that same energy you had. It ain't all the way there no more. And then you begin to realize... This is nature of myself. This thing that I was doing here, now it's starting to happen here, but it's too late. It's already in my hands. And now it begins to perish. This young man had it without failing to realize what he truly had in his hand. And it begins to perish. He didn't know the value of what he had, what it took to maintain the discipline, the gratitude to keep it, the gratitude. What he had been given. And then the discipline it would take to see that, okay, I have this house, you know, my, my father had this house, he had service, but he had to make sure that he was doing certain things. So everything ran properly. It wasn't just by osmosis. It wasn't just happening willy nilly. It wasn't just happening like, oh, everybody's, you know, going to do the right thing. No, he had to set order and principles and precedent and lay the groundwork, the foundation in order for them to have what he had, this portion that he had be, been given. And you know, it's interesting, we're talking on this Father's Day, right? And we're talking about this young man, this perspective that he failed to have at his father. And you know, for those of you who don't know, you know, I grew up without a father at first. My father left when I was, you know, born. I was born, we were in Puerto Rico. Uh, my father left because of some discrepancies be between my mother and, you know, uh, and his side of the family. They didn't believe that I was his. And I grew up and I moved through life with hate in my heart towards my father, with an unappre or with, you know, well, if he left me, then I don't need him. And I began to have this very skewed perspective about fathers, even though I would see whether it was other good fathers out there. And I didn't really, you don't really see too much of that growing up that where I, where I grew up at. You don't really see a lot of faithful fathers, faithful husbands. It was, so it kind of added and built it up to 
you know, my skewed perspective of fathers and what they're supposed to be. But when I got saved, things that I had to change. I remember there was something specific that I had to deal with because I would try to figure out why I couldn't get, I couldn't get as close to God as I felt like I wanted to or why I felt like there was still a little bit of distance. There was still something that was hindering me from having that true liberty and freedom in God. And it was because of my skewed perspective of what it means a father should be. I love this video earlier that they played the people's perspectives of what fathers are. And I didn't have those perspectives growing up. I looked at it very, very differently. Even though I would say, oh, I'm going to be a better man. I'm going to be a better father. But again, not having, because I didn't see what it took, I had a lack of understanding of what it would require. Even myself, I could have said that all day, but I really couldn't have done it if I had been placed with children. And so, Growing up, I, and one thing in order for me to have that experience with God, I had to face this issue, this natural issue between me and my father. And even though when I would say, oh, you know, he left, bump him, I don't need him, you know, forget him. There's nothing that I need from him. I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to be my own man. I'm going to do my own thing. What I had to realize in order to grow in God is that I had to deal with this issue. And so I had to take on the perspective of my father. I had to look at, okay, it may not have been the right choice, but what was he going through at the time? You know, and I began to ask questions to my mother, other part, people in my family, what happened? And then trying to decipher through the truth. And then finally the day came where I met him. And even though I don't think he was ready to have that conversation because we didn't, but meeting him answered a lot of questions for me. And it began to make me realize is that, you know, this level of whether it was fear or whether it was the opinion of man, the opinion of people that he dealt with, the opinion of his family, these, there were certain characteristics about him that I realized that, you know, kept him from uh, wanting to be there. And, you know, I could only imagine what it means to be a, a father, you know, and then, uh, you know, even though my sister came before us, you know, I don't, I wasn't planned. You know, uh, you're hearing your family believing that I am not your son, that my mother slept with somebody else, that, you know, and all these things that he was plagued with as a young man. I wasn't taking on that perspective to that, even though the decision may not have not been the right one, gaining a little bit of understanding of why it is that he felt it was easier to leave than it was to stay of why he felt it might be easier to go than it would be to stay. And even though I, I had to think about those things in that way, not justifying, not saying that they were justified, but having a little bit of context around, you know, his reasons. And then as the scripture talks about when he came to himself, having to come into myself and realize those same things that you judged him for so long, you know, they're in you, right? You know, you've done and ran from certain things, right? You know that there were, there were some things that, in, that were in you that you fled and you fleed from and that you didn't face and that you didn't want to own up to and that you didn't want to man up to and that you didn't want to take the responsibility for, right? And I saw myself in him. And it was that connection, that coming to myself, that where this young man came to himself realizing what has come to yourself means when you faced 
when you come face to face with yourself, when you put the mirror to yourself, when you face the truth. God had me to face the truth about myself so that I can begin to understand and this hate that I harbored, not really realizing that the, I'm harboring this hate because whether I acknowledge it or not, all these things that I hated him for, they're right in me. And I'm capable of making the same choice, capable of doing making the same decision, capable of making the wrong decision if I were to face in that, failing to understand. And again, not saying that it was the right thing to do, but I do have an understanding. And now that I have understanding, now that I have empathy, forgive. I can understand what it means to forgive. And because I understand the principle of forgiveness, forgiving him, and then turn forgiving myself, understanding that God has already forgiven me, now I can come and have this real relationship with the Father. Now I know what true intimacy is with the Father because I have removed the blind spot from this relationship that has hindered me from having this relationship with the Father. And we do that in a lot of times if we're talking about relationships, we take out you know, even natural relationships, the things that we've encountered over here and we bring those things over here, but because we didn't face them, we didn't know that we're carrying that baggage into this relationship. We didn't know that I'm mad over here at work, now I'm taking it out on my kids. I'm mad over here at work, now I'm taking it out on my wife. We feel that we, didn't, we're, we don't realize that we're turning a blind eye to these things over here, but then our actions are manifesting what it is that we're doing in our homes and hurting our relationships. It was when I looked at myself, when we look at ourselves, we realized we were wrong, we were off. We were looking at it the right way. Hey, now I can see it from this perspective as well. Now I have an ear to hear when this person is sharing with me, because even in that, somebody confronts you and they tell you, hey, you're looking at this the wrong way. Hey, you're not, you're not seeing the whole big picture, but nah, that's, that, I don't wanna hear that. That's not true. I'm not there, that's not me. Stop trying to speak that on me. But in reality, they are telling the truth. They are trying to show you something that you have a, a turned a blind eye to. And it was when this young man got out of his emotions, because that's what it is, we just so wrapped up in our emotions, we can't see anything else. And that he had nothing to feed them, right? All the substance was gone. So now all these things that would hype up or amp up this mindset perspective, this, uh, this way of thinking, all those things that would satisfy and feed those things, all of that is gone. Now, what are you left with? Just yourself. To face those things. He had to, he, now he had a chance to face himself. He came to himself. He could see the other perspective now. But it took loss. And it doesn't always have to take loss. Again, if we keep a mindset of gratitude. It says, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough, to, bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger. Man, here I am. And I remember when I was kicking, I, didn't, I was waking up at 11 o'clock in the afternoon, servants was coming in and feed me, dress me, bathe me. All I had to do was go outside and play. Now I don't even have that, man. Didn't realize what I had until it's gone. Didn't realize that this portion that I wasted, didn't realize how good I had it. with hunger. What does perish mean? It means render useless. It means ruined. You ruin the spoil. And a lot of times because of this, 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 uh, this turning a blind eye to information that really is useful to us, we don't realize that this will, this will cause you to perish. This will cause you 
to render be rendered useless. The things that you were holding on to will be rendered useless. He had nothing, I had you had nothing to tangle yourself with anymore to walk in this way. The reason why he sep and then now remember he separated himself. And when we separate ourselves because we just say, well, y'all don't have the same mindset as me, then I'm gone. And he separated himself. And then what does he have? Nothing. He's perishing with hunger. And the world will look at us like that. As soon as you have nothing to offer anybody else out there, whatever you have to offer, all the things that they were connected to you with, those are gone. You don't have no more of that? Well, I'm going to go over here. Jimmy hollering at me real quick. I'm going I'm to just go over there with Jimmy now. All the people, the help, the things that you thought you had that would be there, that the thing that are no longer, you separated from yourself from the things that would be there in spite of its flaws, in spite of everything wasn't right. But there were some things that were, but your lack of gratitude is causing you not to see those things. He separated himself, but he remembers now he came to himself. He faced the truth and we got to make sure that we are facing the truth in these areas so that we can see what we're missing. Gratitude, hope, having that perspective will help us. Verse 18 says, and I will rise and go to my father and I will say unto him, father, I have sinned against thee. I have sinned against heaven and before thee. One thing I do is I commend this young man because he had the strength that in a lot of cases, I didn't always have the strength to do. And sometimes many of us don't always have the strength to do is that once we realize the truth, and you go face what it is that you ran from, I will arise and go to my father. I'm going to arise and go back to the place, the people that I did dirty. I'm going to go back up and arise and go back to the places and the people that I didn't have an appreciation for. I'm gonna rise and get back up and go before and go back to the place that I said that I hated so much that I can't wait to get away from, that I can't wait to disconnect with, that I didn't wanna listen to, and I'm gonna go back there. I will arise and go to my father. And one thing I'm realized, I was just like, well, God, what is it that gave him the strength to, to get up? Sometimes where I don't feel, I always have the strength to get up. And God said, truth gives you the strength to get up. When he came to himself, when he realized the error of his ways, the blind spot that he had, truth gave him the strength. It'll condemn, but it'll also pick you up. It'll also give you the strength to arise. And like this young man, go back to the father. Back to the places where you erred. I'll never forget. You know, it was I, when I when I had gotten saved, like I said, I, I wasn't the best son. I wasn't the best brother to my siblings. But when I got saved and when I began to build a relationship with God, build this relationship with, you know, our amazing apostle, as I began to, you know, allow him to to father me and understand what it means to be fathered, even in the natural. One of the that which is one of the greatest gifts that I've ever received, something that I was never looking for, but it is the greatest gift that I, that I received from him, wasn't the things, it wasn't anything. It was simply understanding what it means to be a son in this capacity of being father. And so 
you know, when I understood what it means to be fathered, what it means to be a family, what it means to, uh, you know, when I began to gain the perspective from him living, watching him, you know, be a father, watching him be a mentor, watching him be the provider, watching him be the truth teller, when I began to see these things and how it operates on a day-to-day -day basis, I began to get that appreciation for not only where I am now, but the things that, you know, my, my blood family, the things that I wanted to leave behind so bad, but now that I need it. And I began to go back and I had conversations with my mother, my older sister, and it took a long, we're talking about a span of years, being able for those times of conversations, those real truth generators to open up, you know, on both sides so we can begin to talk about what happened, you know, with us and apologize and face these real conversations and let them know I was wrong. Let them know that, you know, I didn't do this right. I didn't go about it the right way. I, was, I wasn't a, the greatest brother, but I'm grateful that even though I knew I wasn't a great brother to you, you still loved me. You still saw me that way. My, my younger sisters, um, you know, will always appreciate them because, man, I was not around, but they always looked up to me and always loved me, always checked in on me, always wanted to, you know, stay connected, even though I didn't, and I didn't appreciate it at the time. Well, my older sister, settling arguments and disagreements and, you know, uh, things that we harbored ill will to each other, but we still loved each other. And, uh, and, and in spite of, we still said that it didn't matter what happened. You're still my brother. You're still my sister. I still love you. And being able to finally make amends to certain things and having an understanding that there's still more work to be done. And then with my mother, like, hey, having some real conversations. I didn't like this when I was young, but, you know, I appreciated this. And this is just my perspective. This is what I did, what I did. And I'm sorry, but I was wrong. I didn't handle it the right way. I'm not saying that I was right. I'm just trying to shed some light because now the father has shed light into these eyes and the healing that began to take place, the restoration that began to take place. But I had to arise, go back to the source and say unto them. See, a lot of times we want God to just heal it, but we don't want to say nothing. Hey, I'm here. Here, you know, I'm better now. I don't know that. I'm not supposed to know that you're better now without saying something. You want me to believe that you're better, but you don't even have enough strength to come apologize. How am I supposed to know you better? I'm still looking at the last situation. What it looks like, it looks like you being phony. The last thing that we talked about is that we were mad and that you don't want to talk to me no more. And then you come, it's like, hey, how you doing? What? What is this? Are you faking? You, you trying to pull one on me? I will arise and say unto him, we have to open up our mouths and communicate. Forget not for what's a sacrifice. God is well pleased. He's well pleased because now you are going to come and share the truth with where you've been revealed to that you know you've erred in before. Now they can know the error. And you can begin to have dialogue and conversation around those things. I have sinned against thee and before thee. Man, I've hurt you and everything that you did prior to for me. My God, I'm talking to me today, if anybody else. I've sinned against thee and everything that you did before. I didn't look at it. I didn't take, I took it for granted. I didn't appreciate it. I didn't realize what I had. But I'm coming to you now and I'm letting you know I'm sorry. I'm coming to you now and I'm, and I repent. I realize the error of my ways. 
the same way. And in these relationships, this is where God is trying to get us to. He's trying to give us an added, a, a, a mindset where we are not blindsided to what it is that of, of other people's perspectives around us. And if we are to grow and continue to be a family, we have to make sure that we're looking at things from everybody's perspectives. Not saying everybody's perspectives are right, but do the due diligence to see and look at the perspectives. The son who looked at it from the perspective of the father, even though it was late, but and then he comes back and, re and realizes that I have to come and say that I was wrong. And so as we continue to move through the scriptures and as Pastor Ivan comes into play, now he'll talk about, you know, what happens from here? The son has now apologized to the father. What happens from here? And let's look at it now from the perspective of the father. Man, amen, amen. That was a <clears throat> that was that was a word all by itself right there. That was a word all by itself right there, amen. Um, so we're gonna dive into uh, the father at this particular point. We're gonna pick up at verse twenty. And it says that he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And <clears throat> with this particular parable, uh, you know, this is the father is always depicted as, you know, our heavenly father, you know, um, but we really want to look at this from the perspective of uh, earthly father. Amen. Uh, earthly father. And, you know, just, you know, as we're dealing with the whole, you know, scene of that family and us turning a blind eye to that family that we are close to, whether it be those blood relatives or whether it be those family, that family in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> it is it is the, the father, that fatherly role in how that is playing in our lives has such a great effect as Brother Lewis was talking about uh, in our lives, whether it was there, not there, whether someone was there or someone had to come and replace or whether it, it was held up or kind of not, not held up at all, you know, that had a great, great role in who we are to be and who we are to become, amen? So from the father's perspective, uh, we want to look at maybe where the father in a heavenly, you know, in a earthly perspective can turn the blind eye, you know, can turn the blind. Eye. And I just want to remind you what is turning the blind eye. It means what? Ignoring undesirable information, pretending not to notice. So we're going to dig into this just a little bit because we see this great display of grace. We see this great display of mercy. We see this great display of love on the father's, uh, uh, you know, behalf as he is welcoming his son, the prodigal son. You know, this is the story, of course, of the prodigal son, right? We always talk about the prodigal son as this son that is coming, the one that's supposed to come back. But the prodigal really means the wasteful one you know, the wasteful son. So as a father, you know, a father knows this type of father who is there, who has been there, who has, you know, built all this for his family, been there with his two sons. I'm pretty sure he knows their character traits up until this point. You know, um, this is not the first time I believe 
you know, and not to try to bring something from the scripture that is not there. But I believe that, of course, you know, as this son is probably older, and even as uh, Brother Lewis was talking about this, he's asking for his inheritance at such a, a, a early time, almost in a sense of disregarding the fatherly role because he wanted what the father had because he felt like that was more valuable than the actual fatherly role. How would that affect the father? And if we look at this and even the display and the overflow of emotions of him saying, my son, he is here, you know, and going to go and, and, and really go and go out and meet him. And of course, it has been said that this was a shameful thing for those that are older, um, you know, those that are older, the elders to go and go and run because they typically kind of move kind of slow in that particular culture. That is not something that they're supposed to really do. Amen. Because it would kind of, you know, for them to run with the type of clothes that they had on, he would have to kind of hike up, you know, those things, show his legs off, and, you know, his older legs and stuff like that. And it would be, in a sense, exposing himself and exposing a weakness or exposing, you know, uh, uh, you know, his vulnerability. Right. And we've always looked at this and I can say I've always looked at this as such a great thing, <clears throat> you know, as far as the father showing this amount of compassion. But let's really look at this. Let's really let's really look at this from an emotional perspective, because sometimes we turn the blind eye because the undesirable information is because of how it's going to make us feel, how it makes us feel. This overflow of emotion of him actually putting, giving his son who he knows more than likely is wasteful. And if he didn't know, he would know even at that particular point that, okay, you don't know what value is because you're taking something from me that's not even yours yet. And you're taking it from me and, and really what you really need from me, you're not really getting what you really need because what I have is not what you really need. That's just what you're going to get later on. What you really need is my presence. What you really need is me. What you really need is what I have on the inside of it, right? That's the real value, right? So the level of rejection in a sense that this father had to deal with right? That this father had to say, okay, he doesn't want me. He just wants what I have. He doesn't want me. He, I'm not valuable to him, even though he know his son may love him, right? But he, his, he sees that his son does not see him. Because if we, even if we dive into just a little bit of, you know, Brother Lewis, this is how this young man began to turn the blind eye to his father. So now his father has to do what? Now he's, he's looking at this undesirable information and it has to have done something to his heart to now let his son go and knowing what is going to happen because he knows he has wisdom. He knows what's out there. He knows what he's about to run into. He knows, he knows his son is not ready to be able to even handle what you know, he's giving him. He already knows this. So this level of compassion, this level of, you know, and, and give me the definition for compassion, please. <coughs> this compassion means to be moved as to one with, uh, as to one's bowels, hence to be moved with compassion, having, have compassion for the bowels were, were thought to be the seat of love and pity. So this expression of pity 
and love to be able to welcome his son back in. Because as we begin to read down and we begin to look at this, we can see what his mindset is about his son, right? We can see what his mindset is about this, the wasteful son, the one that he's been worried about, the one that he's been sitting home wondering what is happening to him. Is he okay? Is, he, is everything okay with him? Is he alive? Did he make it? Did somebody kill him? Did he, did he lose it? Maybe, you know, he got into a situation. Did he make some kind of wrong decision? I haven't heard from him. You know, this is back in the day. This is, we, we don't have cell phones. And, and, you know, I was laughing with my sons the other day and laughing with some uh, people the other day saying, you know, I had my beeper and stuff like that when I was in high school, buying cigarettes and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 and really at a, at a job that my dad set up for me you know, that set up something for me to be able to get into. I'm, there was a lot of things that my dad did for me, you know, that I did not appreciate, that, you know, I did not value. A lot of things he showed me that I did not, you know, uh, value, you know, so I kind of spit on those things. I kind of, you know, put them under my feet. It wasn't a value, but I was looking to go do something else, right? So, we see the father, though, looking, he is full of all of this emotion, all of this compassion, this pity for this particular son coming back. He fell on his neck and kissed him, you know? And if we go to verse 21, and it says, And the son said, Unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am, am no more worthy to be called thy son. So he's coming back. He's humble. He's coming back. He's like, look, I'm not coming to just say I deserve anything. I'm not coming. He was ready to be scolded. He was ready to be, you know, whatever you want to say to me, dad, that's what you're going to say. Whatever however you need to deal with me, that's how you're going to deal with me because now I have learned, but I've chosen to learn the hard way. You know, so and we've always and I can say I've always looked at this as this father did have this compassion because he understood that with the things that he did not have an ear to hear for him when he was in the house, he learned them out there in the streets now in a dangerous place, in a place where he could have lost his life, in a place where he might wouldn't have made it. He, it wasn't a safe place for him. You know, so, you know, the father was not going to go and chide him again or chastise him some more. We don't know if maybe later on they had conversations and he was trying to teach him and maybe kind of instruct him and chasing him then. But this initial contact that he had with him was, I'm just happy to see you. You know, I'm, I love you. I've been missing you. And we see the son has been, he's ready to receive this, right? You know, so he, but there's something that the father is not looking at here, you know? And as we go through this, you know, and we go to verse 22, say, but the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his, on his hand and shoes on his feet. So he began to restore him. And this is what, and this is, and then look at what the father's looking at, right? You know, he's restoring his son. He's bringing him back to prominence in the house. He's bringing him back to a place of authority in the house. He's bringing him back to a place of being clean, being well kept, being, you know, served again, being put back in his place, the place that he did not deserve, the place that he should have not really have been given back so quickly you know, in some people's mindset that we're going to kind of see a little bit later on as we talk about his brother, you know, just a little bit. Amen. But sometimes because of the, well, we're, as parents, right, and as fathers, 
we can get so emotionally overwhelmed about certain things or about one child or about one situation that we begin to sometimes overcompensate right? Uh, it may be necessary for this particular child to be able to fully restore them, but now what, what does that do to the other children? See, this is the tough thing for us to look at, right? Because, you know, <clears throat> we thought he was dead. We thought he was gone. You know, he's back and he's not coming back mad. He's not coming back. He's not coming back being prideful. He's actually coming, he's changed, but he probably came back. He was stinking. He's been working with swine. He's been eating with the swine. He's probably have lost weight. He probably looks horrible. <clears throat> he has not been keeping himself up. <clears throat> His father wants to begin to restore him back where he needs to be to build him up, to understand that the place was always waiting for him, but he's still a wasteful son. He went out and he wasted those things that his father had given him, but there was nothing said, right? And I'm not saying that the father is wrong for not saying anything, right? But, you know, what is the father turning a blind eye to as he is being filled with compassion and emotion and love and pity for this son? Is he turning a blind eye to the other son of how this will affect the other son? Come on, I mean, we got a little ways to go. Come on, and <clears throat> so they <clears throat> they pretty much put him right back in place, put him right back, and, and, and out of grace, out of mercy, out of love, out of pity, they're bringing him right back to prominence in the house. It's like he didn't lose anything, you know? Uh, and verse 23, it said, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. They are celebrating, celebrating, in a sense, for some would say, the loss that he just caused, the hurt that he just caused the family, the stress that he might have put on the workload in the house. You know, these are things that we're not thinking about, right? You know, or even the thing, the expectations that the father had. Oh, you know, my son, they're going to be here. They're going to, you know, take over what all these things that I've, you know, worked to be able to build. They're going to take it over. But now, oh, this particular son doesn't want to do that. And it's always sometimes the younger one, right? But maybe not, you know, maybe there's a mix. Sometimes it's just that particular son or that particular child who just doesn't want anything to do with the family for, for different reasons and not understanding sometimes what that does to the actual family, right? And how the family is affected. And sometimes when that child begins to come back and try to get things right, how sometimes the overcompensation can begin to cause an imbalance in the family. Because now they're celebrating for someone who has caused pain. They're celebrating for someone who has caused, you know, uh, who has went out and wasted resources that's supposed to be for the family, that's supposed to help not just his particular family, but even, even, even the servants that are serving them. The servants have family. The people who are helping them have family. This, this particular father now is helping out multiple families through what God has blessed him with, and he's looking to pass this on to his sons. But there's one son that doesn't want to do that. But then there's one son that what? He stays. He's there. He doesn't go anywhere. You know, and, and what does the father do with him? 
Come on, let's read a little bit more. <coughs> for this is my son, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be married. So look at what his mindset was. He was dead, now he's alive again. <clears throat> he was lost and now he has found. And of course, you know, to keep it in context, this is the third parable of the lost and found parable. So to keep it in context, yes, this is what happened in the other two parables. But the other two parables were not dealing with family dynamics. The other two parables were not dealing with, uh, it was dealing with, uh, uh, you know, tangible things, but not actual people. This particular parable is dealing with people, right? So there's going to be feelings, emotions, different things. And yes, it goes right in line with what they did in the other parables. And that was to what? Be merry and to celebrate and to even invite other people to celebrate for what they had now, what was lost, that they had now found what was lost, whether it was the sheep, whether they left the 99 and went to go get the other one, and now they've been celebrating for that one sheep or the woman who lost the coin, and now she was able to find that which she lost, and she now she wants to celebrate with those around her, you know, because of what she had found, right? So this child now being found because he came to himself, what about his brother? Is, 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 is the father seeing the full view of how this has affected the family? Or is the father now just responding appropriately to help this one brother, to help this one son, but not really taking into consideration what it has done to everyone? Because we're talking about turning the blind eye. And if we really begin to look at this, come on now, because he he's celebrating. He said, my father, he's, he was dead, now he's alive. I didn't know if he was going to be. And you have to think about the pain and the turmoil that, a, that, a, that a, a, a father or parent goes through when they think that their child may be dead. No matter what age that child is, when you all you're trying to do is protect that child and help that child and begin to you know, cover, cover them from things that will be harmful for them, but maybe they just wanna go out and go do their own thing. They wanna waste a little bit. They wanna go and live a little. They feel like they're being held back. They feel like, you know, you don't let me do anything. You don't let me do, I can't go nowhere. I can't do this. Not understanding the, 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 the dangers of this world. Not understanding that there's so many things that can't be controlled when you're outside of my care because there's things that you're not looking out for that I am. There's things that you have not even contemplated because your mind is not even complex enough to do it yet. You haven't gone through many situations to be able to even think you know what to do is right, but there's a pride because you're a certain size or you've come to a certain age. There's a pride that comes to say, well, I'm ready and you're holding me back. I know what to do. No, you don't. But the father had to let him go. Why? Because sometimes you got to let him go. Sometimes, you know, you have to kind of let your children begin to make certain decisions so they can begin to see you really don't make good decisions yet. 
and you pray through that process. But when you do that, it can tie you up to where now you're not paying attention to the other children who don't want to make these same decisions. You're not properly giving what you need to give to the other ones who are saying, well, I'm kind of here and I'm listening to you. I may not always want to hear what you say, but I ain't trying to run from you. I don't want to not be here. I don't, I don't want to just get away from you. Sometimes I get tired of you talking, yes, because you talk a lot. Because, you know, I don't know about y'all, but I talk a lot. I talk a lot. I can talk for a solid hour to my boys. They know. <clears throat> solid hour. Solid hour, hour and a half. As I'm asking questions. I'm, you know, I want to know. Let's talk about this. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? I'm, I want to know what's on your mind. I'm trying to pick through your thoughts. I want to. I want you to see what your mindset is, and I want to see what your mindset is, so I can learn. Because little do they know, I see myself in all of their mindset. So I know sometimes where you're trying to go and what you're trying to do. So he had to. He had to trust God. He had to trust the process that now what I put in my child somehow is going to help him not destroy himself. Even though I know he's a waster, he's probably the one that eat all his food all the time. He asked for extra and then threw it away, gave it to the animals and stuff like that. This is not character traits just show up out of nowhere. If you're a waster, you've probably always been a waster. And, the ch- and your parents know these things. And sometimes it's hard as a parent at times or as a father to be the one to tell truths that you don't like to hear, that children don't like to hear certain truths because they feel like you're trying to label them instead of trying to help them. So he got to think about, you got to think about the, 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 the times where he thought, well, maybe I was too hard on him. Well, maybe I just didn't love him good enough. And, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, this wasn't, you know, what he wanted to do. And, you know, maybe I just didn't listen to him enough. And, you know, did I ask the right questions? And, you know, or did I give him enough chance to be able to talk to me? You know, did, did, did I, did I get, you know, on him too much, you know, where it kind of drove him away from me, you know, or was I too soft on him? And then I just let him get away with too much. And now he just feels like he just knows more than me anyway, you know, and, you know, what about my other child? Am I making the right decisions with that one? Because little do you know, you know, all these questions are things that parents, because parents have no manuals. Fathers have no manuals. Mothers have no manuals. The only manual, the closest thing we got is the Bible. And that's it. That's it. We don't have anything else. When you're wondering, okay, well, what what is the right thing to do when some things is, how is the child receiving what you're giving them? It's not always that you're doing wrong. Sometimes it's that how are they receiving? Because some things are to go against the foolishness of the heart of the child. Because you've been the child. I've been that child, the foolish one who thought they knew everything, who didn't want to listen, who didn't want to, you know, uh, thought I was smarter than my parents and they were dumb. I've been that teenager who thought I could sneak around them and do everything that I wanted to do got tired of them listening and got tired of them talking and got irritated with them. But I wasn't crazy. 
because I knew my daddy was not, you know, he already had threatened my life a couple of times. And I know he wasn't joking. So I wasn't crazy. I didn't openly just, no, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> that was not what I was going to do. Amen. <clears throat> so now let's bring in the elder son, right? In verse 25. So now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And we're just going to read verse 26, too. And, you know, and this is kind of where I'm going to end up just a little bit, but I want to begin to draw this picture of the blind eye that the father is now turning to this elder son. And the elder son, in verse 26, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. So your brother's back, nobody's told you. Your brother's back, your dad didn't even come to say anything to you. He don't even know what's going on. Because of the emotion of the father, because he's been waiting so long he began to forget that there's another one that's been here who's been helping me carry the load, run, run the house, you know, settle things between the servants, do stuff that needed to be done because I can't do everything. Go check on this because I can't walk that far. Go do this because I need you to learn how to do that. And he meant, and, and, and it gives you kind of a window that maybe he turned a blind eye to how this affected, this situation had affected the one that stayed. Because as we was as we was talking about this, and, 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 and you know, just he's coming back and being fully restored. And even as 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 Brother Lewis was talking about this, he, he took a third of the inheritance. He took what was due to him. So you got to think the guy is, you know, the elder son is saying, hey, I get a double portion. So it seemed like he's about to get a double portion too just because he wasted his first portion. So now he gets full, he gets fully restored. And I was here. I did the work. I listened to you. I, 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 I tried my best to, 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 you know, get myself, you know, to listen to you. I did what I needed to do to obey you. I fought through my, my feelings and my emotions. And when I wanted to leave, I didn't leave. So the, has this ever been talked about by the father? Even as we talk about gratitude, <clears throat> has the gratitude really been shown to this elder son? Has the gratitude really been, I thank you for being here. And as I begin to look at this, because this was a tough task, because I've always looked at this as the heavenly father. So there was nothing that he did that was wrong, that could have been wrong, right? And, and, and what he did with that son, no. There was nothing that he did that was wrong. But I think even us, as we begin to see, even what the Heavenly Father does sometimes where we feel like 
well, God, I, I, I've, I've not done just gone away from you for a long time to come back and all this, but we sometimes have seen other people do that and then get fully restored, get because of God's grace. And we begin to despise God's grace working in somebody else's life because we didn't get a chance to go and do it. Or we could, or we could have done it, but you say, well, I don't want to do all that. I don't want to go through all that. But then we get jealous and mad and upset because of the fuss that's being made over somebody who was doing wrong. And you feel like, well, I was doing right. And I ain't got no celebration. Where's my fatty calf at? Where's my ring, my robe, and everything else at? Where's my stuff? Where's my new shoes at? I want some new J's. I want some new clothes. I want this and I want that. But why am I not being celebrated? But you're celebrating the one who wasted what you worked for when I'm trying to help you keep it together? It is, and this is where we have to make sure that we don't get so emotionally high, even in compassion, trying to help to show love and compassion to one that may need it the most in that situation, that we get lopsided and don't show the same appreciation, love, and compassion to the one who maybe didn't buck against all the rules, that didn't give you a hard time, you know, the one that you didn't feel like you had to fight that hard for. You know, the relationship that even if we go to the kingdom, the kingdom of God, there's certain relationships where, you know, they're easier relationships. And then we don't, we run away from the harder relationships. You know, we stay with the easier and the ones that make us feel better. So we turn a blind eye to those things that, <coughs> those relationships that may help us be able to build and to grow. Because in this relationship that he had with his two sons, there should have been a, 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 a way to be able to see them both, that they are different. This is the waster, waster, but this one, he's loyal. He stay, he's faithful. What do I do? You know, how do I, how do I show his appreciation? And many times I can think, you know, we have all said it as parents, you know, look, look above your head. That's your Christmas present. You know, look at, look at, look at the stuff on your feet. Look at this, this, that, and this, you know, but sometimes your children may want a little more. Sometimes your children may, if you can handle it, right? It may be different ways to celebrate them. They may not always be a gift, but kind words, building them up, laying hands on them, praying for them, helping them, causing, helping them to walk through things. And even the ones that are quiet that don't really buck against you too much, making sure that we're not turning a blind eye. Maybe because we're just pretending that maybe there's not a really a, a problem there. When you know there probably is. Maybe the problem is not as vocal with this one. But the one that's a waster, he he's loud and he's you know, he's always been outgoing and he's a risk taker and he's this and he's that. And, you know, maybe, he, you know, y'all talked about business together and you talked about how to do, do stuff. And you thought that, you know, this is the one that's going to take over everything. And he's going to be the one that's going to, you know, you know, just, you know, bring everything together. You can't, 
begin to box children in while they are still developing. Because sometimes the one that you thought would be the one, it's not the one. Sometimes the one that you thought would be a certain type of way, it's not going to be that way. They're going to change. So we as, as parents, as fathers, have to make sure that we're paying attention, that we're not turning a blind eye to things that are openly there, and that we actually begin to deal with those things that are there. I'm not telling you you're going to catch everything because nobody is God. God is the only one who catches everything. But there's a majority of things that can be caught. But God is going to let children as they grow begin to make certain decisions. If you go back in your life, my life, you're going to, there's certain decisions you're going to have some room to make. And those decisions, when you have that room to make them, it needs to be that, okay, you got that information, you're taking the information that your parents are giving you to be able to make those decisions. But as a father, let's not make sure, let's make sure we're not turning a blind eye to how we treat one, how it may be affecting the other. Because even if you go down a little bit more, he's going to kind of respond to his, the son is going to get upset as Pastor Lincoln is going to get into this. And he's going to say, well, you've been here. Everything is here for you. I don't have to celebrate you. Everything is available for you. I thought he was dead. I know you're alive. So does that make me any more important, any less important just because I'm here? Just because I'm trying to do what you're doing or do what you say, I believe the father needed a little more explanation. And I believe that even if the father was, and I, and I really begin to say, well, God, what could he have done different? Maybe he could have went to go get his other son before talking to the servants. Son, your brother's back. So yeah, we should sit down and talk. Okay to be great and happy about he's back. But let's hash some things out. Let's talk about some things. Let's make sure that we can celebrate together. Because he probably felt left out. Nobody even told him. Maybe he'd been concerned about his brother too. Maybe he's thinking his brother's dead. Nobody even told him. Now as soon as he comes back, you forget about him. It's like the father is turning a blind eye who's there, who's been there because of who have come back, because of the overwhelming emotions that he has had about that son being gone. It's easy to turn a blind eye behind emotions and reactions and responses when you feel a certain way about stuff. It's easy. So we have to watch, even in the emotions that come to spirit. Compassion is a spiritual thing. You can be filled with pity, compassion, mercy, but understand that some of those things still will affect other people around you. Amen.